Welcome to Imago Day, the podcast that brings you philosophical and theological reflections for today's world. This is Joe, and I'm with my good friend, Louis. Hello. You gotta let him know the new motto. <clears throat> Feel what I'm feeling. Truth is just believing. You're my, you're my diamond girl. Yeah, I think, I think we need to. <laughs> Maybe, maybe you could put that song. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw it in there. If you can feel what I am feeling, then the truth is just believing. Oh, God, it's good. You're my, you're my that is just good music right there, man. I don't care what anybody says. It's good. <laughs> What's going on, Lewis? I am... I'm nervous about this recording. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. It's new. It's new. I've done this before with uh reverend omar ortiz as you guys have heard which i gotta say like i don't know if omar listens but shout out to him a lot of it goes over my head but then i listen to it again and again and again and again and i get a little bit more every time so i think he's a very very smart guy and i appreciate you putting him on the podcast yeah yeah probably takes about four or five listens right just to get a yeah. couple of, it's very it, dense it, but it's me. good stuff yeah so what are we talking about bro here we are well, first, Monday. first, I want to talk about your letter. Oh, yes. So I'm currently uh, exploring doctoral studies and philosophical slash systematic theology. And one of the options that came to mind was a pontifical university in Rome. Typically, the only way you can get into those universities uh, is if you are on the way to becoming a priest or a uh, be, to become an official theologian for the Catholic Church. Obviously, I'm not Catholic uh, in that regard. Um, nevertheless, uh, it, it just came to mind. I was like, hmm, that would be interesting to kind of like chill in Rome for a couple yeah. of years and, and study. And I like Rome. Rome is very similar to New York City. And um, have you so you visited Rome before? Yeah, a couple of times, a couple of times. And uh, last time was at the honeymoon with uh with the wifey so that's awesome yeah yeah and we really explored it we were there for about three and a half days but we you know walked around and i i was kind of like a tour guide for her I was able to show her some stuff and but anyway i i'm just like hey you know it would be pretty interesting to to hit up one of these pontifical universities and pursue maybe doctoral studies there and and now what what makes a pontifical university a pontifical university is that it was founded by one of the popes. And I think the pope has direct uh, access or something along the lines that he can open up the doors to whomever or whatever the case is. So I was like, yeah, maybe I can connect with him and let him know the kind of work that I'm doing and, and, uh, and say, hey, I'm not Catholic, but I'm like trans-denominational and yeah, yeah. deeply ecumenical in my in my approach to christianity and hey it may be benefit it may benefit you to have this guy from brooklyn yeah, yeah. <laughs> to come on over <laughs> so you know brooklyn you know yeah yeah <laughs> so you're trying to get a letter of recommendation from the pope is that what you're saying i, I think so maybe maybe we're gonna release some of those papal funds and be like yeah, yeah come on come on over i don't know yeah. so yeah just and i i just also feel compelled just to write to him um, I really admire his pastoral work mm -hmm. and, and, um, I've read through, uh, some of his encyclicals as well. Some of his letters, his pastoral letters to the flock. Uh, and, um, just, just, so uh, you know, he, he, he comes across as a very approachable kind of guy. That's, yeah, that's yeah. his style. And I was like, you know what, why not? Just let me, you know, go for it. Just go for it. You know? And, and, and Virginia is like, yeah, my wife, she's like, yeah, do it, do it. Nice. So... That's that's the reason why I'm writing to the Pope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Are you looking to send that out soon? Or? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I just want maybe tonight or tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning maybe, just sit down and just pen the letter. Just, just kind of write it out and see what flows. And I, I think in the letter I want to share... Uh, a little bit of who I am, uh, where I am in my journey, yeah. um, uh, and and just lay out some some thoughts as to why I want to pursue doctoral studies and and uh, why theology and philosophy in light of the impact and, and the kind of current work that I'm doing now and and the sort of sense of vocation around that the call, yeah. and um, just yeah just kind of just laid out and of course prayer requests and and stuff like that you know see let's see what happens so lewis Mm -hmm. got me into this movie he was like joe texted me he said bro have you seen the new pope francis movie and i'm like what he did a movie like (laughs) the pope did a movie and Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think I heard about it. I saw some common attractions. And then I took the wifey and we went to see it. And we were blown away. Yeah. We were blown away. I felt many different things at different parts of the film. Yeah. And I went through a roller coaster of different, I guess, philosophical ideas that were coming, that were being presented to me. Mm. And I think that's probably the most surprising thing about the movie. Because I I went in, you know, the, the movie's called Pope Francis, A Man of His Word. And you just, you know, you see Pope Francis on the movie poster. I thought it was just going to be a, a biography right. flick about him. Right. But it was more, I, I put in my notes, like an assault on consumerism. <laughs> like, mm. So what was it when you watched the film? What was that like for you? You know, for, for myself and, and my wife, it, it was a, uh, a visceral experience. Mm. Um, like you, different parts of the movie uh, pulled at my heartstrings and, and teared up a few times. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the movie itself just did a, an amazing job in communicating, uh, the kind of papacy that he is shaping, mm-hmm. um, and, and bringing together the, the reason for that name, St. Francis, uh, uh, that, that he has chosen as his papal name and, and how he is a, just an amazing pastor, mm-hmm. an amazing, uh, 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 sensitive soul to those on the margins and a disenfranchised, the invisible communities and in, in more ways than one, including ecological. In many respects, I wasn't completely shocked by it. I, I do, uh, tune into his homilies. I listen, I read some of his manuscripts on a maybe bi-weekly basis. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty much in touch with who he is okay. uh, ministerially, his identity, his ministerial identity. Okay. Yeah. I basically, I grew up as a Protestant averse to Catholicism mm, mm, and yeah. whether implicitly or explicitly, <clears throat> I always just kept distance from Catholicism and, and mm. I never viewed Catholicism as a part of Christianity, mm. which I have to say this film helped me to see that, hey, we're, we're kind of on the same team, guys. Like we have more in common than differences between yeah. Catholics and Protestants. For someone like me who has purposely kept distance from Catholicism, if I were to explore Catholicism even more, what do you recommend? Yeah, that's a great question. When I uh, found myself in the in the world of, of Protestantism around mm-hmm. 2003, um, I, I was raised as a really nominal Catholic. And um, 
was to, to, to a large degree, not in touch with the Catholic world, especially Catholic theology and Catholic thought, came into the faith 2003 through the doors of evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really took years later um, through seminary uh, in having my eyes opened to Roman Catholicism, having a real serious look um, at, at that sort of uh, stream of Christianity. And I would say that just beginning with a cursory glance on church history mm-hmm. will, will, will help to unpack some of the differences there. And, and really, much of the differences between, um, as how I understand it, between Protestantism and Catholicism, Roman Catholicism, uh, can be found on the doctrine of revelation. So, so for the Roman Catholic uh, Church, um, revelation comes to us through sacred doctrine, excuse me, sacred tradition okay. and sacred scripture. Okay. Whereas by way of a number of theological and historical moves, um, a la Martin Luther and whatnot, we say Bible and Bible alone, mm-hmm. right? So for the the Catholic Church, all the distinctions come about really out of this awareness of God comes to us, yes, definitively and decisively through Scripture, but in relation to the tradition that even helped to shape Scripture historically. Mm. The New Testament didn't drop out of the sky, as it were, and even the compiling of the letters and the, and, and the solidifying of the canon, as it were. Uh, the Catholic Church would see themselves as, as the kind of act of the ancient church, along with uh, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit guiding the church in that. And so there's much more to say about that. But I would say just just beginning, even Wikipedia, yeah. kind of, you know, just, <laughs> hey, you know, what was the Catholic Church about? And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and kind of looking historically. Um, and there's some really good podcasts out there. Pines with Aquinas does some good job. Um Bishop Barron and Word on Fire, yeah, really, and and his his material on YouTube, mm-hmm. how kind of help open those doors there. I yeah. started I started looking at the the Summa. Mm. I love how Thomas uh, presents an argument and then objections to the argument. Yes, and then unpacks the argument and yes. applies the objections. Yeah, I think that in a lot of debates or or critical thinking, like that's lacking that type of mm-hmm. analysis from both mm-hmm. sides. Of an and, issue, yeah, and he was extremely charitable. He was so well versed in doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Aquinas, he would not only um, put forth uh, the argument that he's going to address, he would put he would strengthen the argument. He would offer the best version. So yeah. he, he wasn't, you know, doing the straw man kind of like yeah. little weak argument, then knocking it down. He would really uh, solidify it and then piece by piece address it. So yeah. And Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas, is the the angelic doctor. The Roman Catholic Church um, calls him. Uh, he his theology is prized on that level. That for the most part, he is in many ways the cornerstone of much of uh, of the thinking of Roman Catholicism mm-hmm. after the Middle Ages. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Wow. he's a serious. He's a serious thinker. When you look at Catholicism and Protestantism Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) today, mm -hmm. what are the major differences? What's something to put out on the table to know to recognize the major differences that you see between these two different? um, I don't know Christian circles. Yeah, uh, 
that, that's, I think part of the difficulty with, with addressing that question directly is mm-hmm. that it is hard to pinpoint Protestantism today. Mm. What does it mean to be Protestant today? After Luther, Calvin, immediately actually within their own lives, Protestantism, as it were, uh, uh, started to branch out. It were different streams, you had Zwingli and, and all these sort of internal debates that were happening. And I heard, interestingly enough, that the uh, Catholic bishops warned Martin Luther that if you do this, if you break away from the church, it won't stop with you and there will be continued schisms. Mm-hmm. You won't be able to kind of hold them together. But Martin Luther saw it as the risk necessary in order to free the gospel from what he saw as the chains uh, of the Roman captivity. He would even see the Roman Catholic Church as a sort of the the current Babylon of the wow. time. Yeah. And so and there are num- this is a very complex issue, historical, political, socio-ecological, economical, um, as well as theological. But so it's very difficult when we say, what are the key distinctions today between Protestantism and Roman Catholicism? Because there's a consensus within the Roman Catholic Church. You have the catechism of the Catholic Church. You have uh, 2000 years of history. Uh, that's not to say that there aren't uh, factions and to some degree divisions. Nevertheless, they all pay allegiance to the Pope. Mm-hmm. And and there are clear doctrines that they're all in uh, concert with one another. Mm-hmm. Whereas for us, you can go down the block and, and go into a church that may hold a very low view of communion or the Eucharist. Whereas in a church down the block, which is also Protestant, may have a different name. They'll say, no, this is the body and blood of Christ, but not in terms of the transubstantiation, right? Mm-hmm. So there's kind of like this middle ground. So it's tough. Now, if you want to locate Protestantism and um, with all that said, I mean, we can go back to Martin Luther, you know, the uh, uh, scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, right? Um, and really stressing um, uh, scripture as the uh, sort of decisive mode by which God comes to us. Mm-hmm. And everything is to be tested against scripture. Uh, this is sort of the in many ways, the Protestant genius and the Protestant spirit. And then the word Protestantism, right, comes from the word to protest. And you can't have Protestantism or, or, or pro- protesting without a church to protest against. So Protestantism <laughs> uh, presupposes the existence of, of, of a larger church. Mm. Fascinatingly enough, it's okay. a movement within the church. In many yeah. ways, and uh, Stanley Harwas, the, the theologian, would speak of it like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's not an easy it, question, it's not I guess. Easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. Okay. Okay. So that means I have a lot of homework to do mm. about Catholicism, mm. but I am fascinated by Catholicism from this film. And I think, I think what mm. Pope Francis is doing, um, what I saw in that film, I saw him just sending one very simple message out mm. about poverty and how that is this prevalent issue around the world. But I don't know. I guess there's something about the film. It presented it in a way where I was always aware that poverty exists. Like, I, I think the majority of civilization have has been, in, to some extent or another, exposed to poverty. Mm. And, I mean, living in New York, it's so obvious. Like, poverty, you see it anywhere. Anytime someone travels in New York, they're going to yeah. be exposed to some degree of poverty. Yeah. 
But for me, when I when I sat in the theater and I saw that image of just like mm. this field of garbage mm. and then people just rushing to pick through the garbage, that was violent. Like, mm. <laughs> like you said, visceral. Like it was yeah. just such a a strong image about and a strong testament to the state of the world today. Mm. We've heard this message of poverty before. What makes it different in how Pope Francis communicates that message of poverty or just that need and that issue of poverty in the world today? Yeah, he, in his, one of his um, more recent encyclicals, and what an encyclical is, is really a pastoral letter written by the Pope. Um, he directly addresses issues of poverty by, in many ways, attacking the rampant consumerism, materialism, mm-hmm. a kind of runaway capitalism mm-hmm. that is undergirding all of that. Um, a world in which freedom is measured against arbitrary choice. Mm. And really, I think, does a great job in diagnosing the issue. Now, of course, through the movie, he, he along with the visual uh, artists, the team, the entire, you know, yeah. they just... Amazing, amazing. But even... Beside the visual aids that, that comes through in the movie, his words, clear, simple, mm. and he's passionate. I think above all else, he's really passionate. He really believes what he's teaching. Mm-hmm. He's a man who is acquainted with the streets of Argentina. He, in his, uh, as, as a archbishop and as a cardinal, he would take the train every day and the bus every day uh, to, to, to his office. Wow. Uh, he would always be with the people. Um, that's who he is. And um, I think him staying on that and, and, and his ability to really nuance the issue and speak of it in terms of a throwaway culture, use that phrase. Mm-hmm. And it's a phrase he go, comes back to often that, that we are in a throwaway culture, you know, got the iPhone 10 and then the new iPhone comes out. I got to get that upgrade, yep. you know, two, yep. two years, you know, and yep new sneakers and whatnot. And, and okay, what about what happens to the old? And okay, we sell it. And where does all that go? Right. Yeah. And just paying attention to this system that we are caught up in an entire economical system, economic system that we're, we're really tethered to in many ways. I remember in, in the film, just that shot of all the really old cell phones. Yes. They had like the Nokia brick phones, oh but just goodness. a whole mountain of them. Dude, I, I think it was like a Zach Morris phone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, huge phone yeah. from like the 90s. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's like, what happens to all the old yeah. phones that get thrown out? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, and he's, and he's, and he puts it out there. Yep. And he puts it out there. Yep. And he connects it to the stories of people. He, he's showing us in that movie how people in the here and now are being affected. Mm-hmm. So he is not taking the professorial route or the typical theological route where it's just theory and, and kind of head knowledge mm-hmm. and offering some sort of nice words. He's bringing, he's showing how deeply it's affecting the people. And it's really affecting the people on the margins the most. Yes. You know, Absolutely. we go, you and I, we go in, we want to go into a mall, look at Armani Exchange, Guess, Gap. We purchase a shirt. We have purchasing power. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't necessarily uh, question how the shirt was made and who's being affected. The iPads and the uh, and the iPhones, how are they being made and, and distributed from China and mm-hmm. what's happening to the workers and sort of slave wages that are happening there. And it's just wild. And now, because of that, uh, Pope Francis... Or he rocks the boat. 
So hmm. if you are sort of conservative when it comes to economics, if kind of right wing, you may not like what he's saying because he sounds very socialistic, right? Yeah. He's, you know, but that, that's a whole nother conversation. There's, <laughs> there's much deeper uh, things there to explore. But how about for you, dude? Like, was there a, a defining moment for you in that movie when you watched it? And you're just like, man, you yeah. know what? <laughs> this is maybe perhaps something that challenged that maybe you found troubling mm -hmm. in light of your own identity as an evangelical Christian? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think for me, I, when I was being confronted mm. with just this reality of what's happening, you know, outside of my little bubble of a world mm. and, and just kind of being exposed to the poverty mm. that so many people are, are enduring, I felt, I immediately just felt like my heart was broken. You know, mm. I, I just felt a sense of pain and and sympathy for these people. Mm. I just remember immediately following that thought, I said to myself, what can I do to help in that situation? Yeah. Um, what can I do to to help make things better? And, and it's right. it's such a it seems like such a large problem that I felt I felt honestly hopeless at a at a certain point in the mm. film, just like like, is this ever gonna change? I was very mm. pessimistic about it. Mm. I guess I'm still working through it. I remember I, I went to see the film with a friend from college mm. and we were so quiet after the film and we we both said that we felt convicted, which mm. is like a lot to unpack right there, right? Yeah. Like to feel convicted watching yeah. this film. And, and I think I felt convicted because... Well, I'm curious. What was your your, your friend's faith uh, identity? He's, he's Armenian. So he comes from the oh, Eastern Orthodox. Orthodox. Yeah. yeah. So we both just felt like super convicted mm. to see just this struggle. Mm. And I think I think part of where I see the solution is when Pope Francis said it's almost like everyone has a right to work. Yeah. In that um like the land like it's almost like everything that exists at some point came from yeah. the land. It yeah. came from some material yeah. creatively combined to produce an object. Yes. Every person who's working at some point is like interacting. It's like they're working the lands in a certain, mm -hmm. a certain way. And, mm -hmm. and to me, that changed my image of God commanding Adam mm. to like tend to the fields and stuff like that. Mm. It's just because it, it goes further than that. It's not just about yeah. farming the land. Yeah. It's just about the man's desire to create something with yeah. the materials around him. So when, I, I mean, that, that's how I interpreted that part when Pope Francis mentioned mm. that in the film. Mm. But I saw that as the having the potential to solve this problem of poverty. Mm. Um, how, can we, how can we help the unemployed or how can we help those who are working in subhuman conditions? Yeah. And, and, and he does um, gesture mm -hmm. towards different uh, possible solutions. Mm -hmm. uh, but as a pastor, he he speaks in sort of broad brushstrokes. Mm. Uh, I know mixing metaphors here, but you know <laughs> that's that's the way he he um, he's engaging us, yeah. he's engaging the viewer. Yeah, um, that was an extended sermon. That's what that movie was. Really? Was, yeah, I, 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 that's how I would take it. Yeah, that's how I would take it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, though. An I, extended, I see it that way. Uh, you know, sort of visually, and I love that how he is seated in a chair mm -hmm. and uh, in, in some of the scenes, which has profound theological significance subtly within the Roman Catholic Church, because when the Pope speaks from the chair uh, in Latin, it's called ex cathedra. No, excuse me, ex. Um, uh, is it ex cathedra? I think. Um, 
to pontificate. Uh, yeah, yeah, you have to look it up now. I can't really look it up. <laughs> I'll look uh, it right, now. right, right. <laughs> Speaking of the, the the gravity of his words, and not not to suggest that what he was uh, speaking there in the movie that all of his uh, words that he was sharing, mm. uh, extemporaneous or not, that they have that. Uh, ah, yeah, there it is, ex cathedra. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. from the chair, from okay. the chair. Um, but you know, not to say that uh, what he was saying was infallible in, in like, yeah. Roman Catholic uh, doctrine. But, yeah. But but it's significant nevertheless, and, and and so you have that there, and he's just very welcoming, man, just yeah. like homey, just like, hey, yeah, you know, and, and <laughs> simple, and looking directly into the camera, yeah, I love and, that, and then jotted throughout the movie of him engaging with the people, um, and, and those who whether they have a, a, a disability of some sort, mm-hmm. of poverty, sickness, mm-hmm. you, you see him engaging the pastoral office in a hands-on way. The, the philosopher Emmanuel Levinas, a uh, Jewish French philosopher who I believe, uh, uh, experienced, um, World War II and, and sort of the dark side of history in that mm. sense, uh, as a Jew, uh, he, much of his philosophical work orbits ethics. And it's amazing, uh, his angle, um, this 20th century thinker where he, he supplants, he replaces metaphysics as the sort of cornerstone, uh, subdivision branch within philosophy with ethics. He says, really, uh, philosophical inquiry must begin and really end in the ethical. And the way, what that meant for him was his, the way he, he really articulated the importance of eye contact, what he would call the face, Mm -hmm. face face-to-face contact. And about when, when that face-to-face contact, when that limbic resonance is happening, there is moral gravity, right? And we unconsciously avert our gaze. So we are not implicated morally, right? Because we see a homeless person and if we look in their eyes and then don't give them anything or don't, right? That that could be very, so what we do is we look away. Mm. We we act as if the person is not there. Yeah. Which in, in probably one form or another, there's a way of dehumanizing that person. Yeah. You know, to render them invisible. And, um, you know, Emmanuel Levinas, he, he really unpacks that and he just spends a lot of time. And so Francis lives that out. Mm-hmm. He lives that out. Uh, kindness, gentleness, um, self-control, the fruit of the spirit, Galatians chapter five. Yeah. Right. We see that embodied in, in this the spiritual leader of the Roman Catholic church yeah. and, and, and unapologetically so. And it's another way, by the way, of, of critiquing the, the sort of socioeconomic context we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. We, we have the capacity to tune people out by way of the headphones, mm-hmm. digital devices, right? And the way of love runs contrary to the way of this private solipsism, this private world. I just want to tune people out. Even though I'm here among the sea of humanity, I'm just going to, because I don't want to be bothered. Mm-hmm. And, and Francis is like, no, we ought to be bothered. And being bothered and being interrupted are ways in which God comes to us. Yeah. Of course, what comes to mind as well is uh, the, the words of Jesus in Matthew 25. 
you came to visit me when I was in prison and you brought me in and you clothed me mm -hmm. um, when I was naked and fed me and uh, gave me food and all, you know, all of these things. And, yeah. and then the people say, Jesus, when did we do that? When were you ever in prison? When were you ever sick? Whatever you've done to the least of these, my brothers, you've done to me. Wow. And so he's living that out. Yeah. He's living it out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. And hey, guess what? We just got an email. So send us your questions, comments, or feedback to imagodaypodcast at gmail.com. That's I-M-A-G-O-D-E-I podcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.